We are tonight's entertainment. You can't handle the truth. The fire rises. Pizza time. You're a wizard, Harry. So it be. You know how much I sacrifice? You think that's air you're breathing? Groovy. I don't have friends. I got family. We services hello trent hello parth hi it's good to see you though it's not been so long <clears throat> no you're looking well yeah we just spent some time together and us and a third person yeah and we'll who, get into that whose but, name is probably in uh the title of this episode um but uh before we get into all of that i'm just wondering what you've been eating most recently um well, we recorded the interview for uh, whatever movie that we're talking about in this episode. Whatever boxing Rocky spinoff movie mm. we're talking about in this episode. Yeah, whichever one that is. Whichever third installment. And um, we took a little break, and I was just going to eat some trail mix and play Fortnite, and I played two rounds. I love Th- Fortnite! I love Fortnite! Sorry. Yeah, so do I. And then I was like, I kind of want a cup of noodles right now, so I'm, re- I'm eating hot and spicy Firewalk sizzling rich pork flavor, mm. and then there's like chili, there's like a chili ranking system for how spicy it is, and this is apparently four chilies out of six chilies, and the shrimp one I had a few days ago was only one chili. Would you, would you say that four out of six chilies feels right to you? Like this is... Yeah, it, it's a it's a good kick, but like I have a glass I have a glass of water, um, but it's not like urgent. It's not like overwhelming or upsetting or needlessly spicy. Uh, what That's have you good. been eating? It's good to hear. Glad you want to know. Um, well, just before our interview, you saw me chow down um, because I realized that it was going to be two p.m. when we started the interview, and um, the time you scheduled today. Yeah, but I, I, but I realized that I wouldn't, if I didn't eat before the interview, I wouldn't be able to eat until around three. Um, and so I was like, gotta eat. And so I have this like PF, I had this PF Chang's, um, like instant meal where like you put it in the microwave for like four and a half minutes and you come out and mix it. And suddenly it's Korean pork noodles right for the eating. Um, and they were pretty good. I liked it quite a bit. Cool. Um, you know what else I liked? I was just going to ask you that. You want to know what else I like? Transitioning to the intro. Do the intro. Welcome back to Craft Services, where we talk about the movies. Each week we talk about a film and hopefully have a crew member of that film to talk with us about their experience working on the picture. This week, who do we have, Trent? We just talked with, just like uh, an hour or so ago, we concluded, maybe even less. It was 40 minutes ago, not even an hour. Did we finish our conversation with uh, Jameen Asa, who's the production designer on our movie of this week, you know, Michael B. Jordan's directorial debut, Creed Three? as well as mid-90s, Jonah Hill's directorial debut, I think. And, it is, uh, yeah. And the upcoming Beverly Hills Cop movie, which I didn't even know existed until a few hours ago. Uh, but he shot it, and they rapped, and it sounds super cool. And he tells us a little bit about all of the things I just mentioned. Yes, so uh, uh, this is Jamina Sa. Um, this is going to be part one 
Um, again, we just recorded the interview, so we're not quite sure what's going to be in part one versus part two, but uh, he's going to talk a little bit about how he got into the film industry, what film would meant to him uh, growing up, and how he got involved with Creed 3, meeting Michael B. Jordan, stuff like that, you know? This is one of our latest in the game to, like, near the release date interviews. Like, if this got rescheduled, we kind of would have been screwed. Um, with, yeah, super cool episode. Um, oh, talks a little bit about Gus Van Sant. Yes. And, th- and this is probably our best example since Top Gun. This is probably our only opening weekend release interview since Top Gun. Since Top Gun. Yes. I think we, was Batman close? I, w- I was just going to say before that was probably Batman. And then the, the other one that we did very close, um, but didn't release it until months after for some reason was the matrix uh resurrections which we interviewed him the day after the movie came out and didn't release it you're at that part, time for some part, reason you're talking about some of our biggest hitter interviews both in terms of content and in terms of views yeah people people love searching that shit up when once it's relevant in the little their mind. seo what is um, that search engine optimization yep Okay. So let's hope whatever that is works in our favor. Um, I think, I hope. Um, I've given up on knowing what will make listeners listen, but you guys should listen to this episode. And if you're up to this point, you probably will. So yep. without further ado, here's Jameen Asa, part one. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our interview with Jameen Asa. He's the production designer that's worked on mid-90s, the upcoming Beverly Hills Cop film, and our film for today, Michael B. Jordan's Creed Three. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me. So just to start off, uh, what would you say your relationship with film was at a young age? I think it was not as obvious, but pretty important from very young. My father was uh, an actor, more stage actor, and did some bit parts and stuff, and there were a lot of people in the film business around and we, we got to watch uh, books and film were big in my house. So I watched a lot of inappropriate uh, movies, which I revisited later and became big fans of uh, from the uh, sort of late seventies and eighties. And then just all through, I've just was sort of fascinated always by uh, film as a, as a way to tell a story or show, you know, show characters and, through a lot of the different parts of film as well. And the trickery of it all was always amazing to me. So when was the first time you started ending up on set and how did you gravitate towards production design? I have like a sort of not classical way of going. I went, I was playing a lot of sports and uh, I went to college to play sports and quickly realized I was sick of being sort of yelled at and uh, playing sports in a rigorous level and started just went into become more of an English major and became, and I really wanted to be a writer. And then I started, you know, we had done uh, friends of mine and myself with, uh, I grew up in a big, like as a skating community kind of came up and we were doing, you know, different sort of uh, high eight, you know, films and then super eight films and cutting them at home. And uh, I became obsessed with the idea of wanting to sort of write and direct. And I dropped out of school 
and I came back and the long-winded story is I was pretty good at basketball and we used to play a lot at the park and one of these guys who I used to pick up on my team he's probably my age now but was older then and when he was like what the fuck are you doing like you left you quit uh you're not playing basketball and I was like no I want to be in film and he's like oh okay you want to work tomorrow and he owned this sort of seminal uh production company in Los Angeles that did a lot of music videos that were big at the time and where a lot of filmmakers came out of called the oil factory and um went to set and just loved it I mean loved being a runner a PA loved everything about it I loved the hustle uh I liked how everything was just worked as a this weird machine that seemed insurmountable. And then you, you you know, all these people lumber into a place and you figure it out. And, uh, when I left a guy, the guy who was my boss, like the production coordinator, I guess was like, do you want to keep working? And he was working at, uh, David, he started working at David Lynch's office, uh, for asymmetrical films when he had this little company and they were in between. It was when he had broke up with his partner on twin peaks and, and it was just an amazing learning process because he was sort of, he's not by the book and sort of wonderful. So I'd be filming castings. I'd be driving him while he was composing music. We'd be putting together these sort of storyboards and, you know, back before the digital, this is prior to the digital age and we were researching all these books and it was this really small family environment that was really great. And, um, and that was sort of it. And then my girlfriend, at the time was a photographer who's still a dear friend and she was going to art center in Pasadena and I just started hanging out and they go to school. You know, when you're working like in anything you love, they were working like 80 hours a week. So we'd show up there, you know, after the start of school and drink beer. And then I started sitting in on all the classes and watching all the Tarkovsky films and da 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 da, like building up and learning composition. And I just started everyone, in that world, what was so beautiful and I wish I had done it in a more formal way was, you know, if the three of us are photography majors or film majors, uh, at a certain point, it's like, okay, you're going to be in it. Okay. You're going to light it. Like we'll bring some furniture from your mom's house and we'll do a scene, right? Cause everyone has to participate and you have limited resources and bodies and people that are willing to do it. And, uh, so we just started doing that for this sort of small crew of friends that were working really hard. And then we started making little Super 8 films and cutting them at home with the tape and not with, without really knowing what we were doing. Um, and it just kept sort of building like that until, and I was doing some fashion stuff and this, and I just missed being in film. And I came, I was in New York and I came back to Los Angeles and uh, just started PAing and then realized like I knew what I was doing already, if that makes sense. Like I knew we had sort of figured out through all our mistakes all the stuff and uh, met a few friends who were um, doing really well on these really thoughtful, imaginative, wild and quirky, surreal or as many adjectives as I can fit in there commercials. And with these amazing DPs uh, and I slowly sort of, you know, started doing my own jobs that way with all these directors uh, over the years. And, um, and I had a, I had a, a son and a daughter, so I just wanted to stay local. So commercials were kind of this great way where you could make a living, but also experiment and start to work, you know, and go all over the world, actually. But we do a lot in L.A. and work with, you know, all these fantastic, you know, I'm, I've become good friends with a lot of the DPs who we all who are all our heroes. 
And a lot of it's because they would sort of in between be doing commercials, you know, to films. Uh, and I didn't know how to sort of break into what I was going to do to do a film. Like I didn't want to put forth that much effort to just do a movie to do a movie. Like I was a little older than, whereas I was just like, Oh, whatever, you know, I had to make enough money. It was, and, uh, a dear friend from those commercials, who does a lot of films, uh, called me and asked me if I wanted to do a film with Gus Van Sant. And I didn't even ask any questions because he's one of my early heroes for a lot of reasons, his experimentation, his seminal movies, his, his ideas. And uh, we did this wonderful movie, um, and it went really well. I thought for what you know, for what our resources and everything were, even besides that, and that just sort of led to okay. Jonah Hill was in that movie. We mm. talked. Mm. I didn't he even said, make that connection to mid nineties. Yeah, that makes sense. It, it was kind of crazy. <laughs> and uh, so yeah, yeah, you know, in the driveway, he's like, you know, hey, how you doing? He's like, you know, I'm a huge fan. And I was like, well, I'm a huge fan of your script. I had read it the year before when they were going to do it the year before and it didn't get made. And we just started talking. And the next thing you know, I was sort of doing Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot. And towards the end, we're prepping mid-90s. So they, they went pretty close to back-to-back. And it was a, a super lesson, again, on how to do things, how not to do things, Um you know, and, and I think that there's a big lesson and stuff for that for a lot of people, which I miss, which is once you know how to do things or how they're supposed to be done, then you kind of lose a lot of the magic because, you know, and Gus is still a kid like that. And so, and Jonah sort of came from learning from him, really paying attention at that point. So it becomes sort of more like a family and there's not a lot of like, we can't do that because that's not the way it's done which is, which happens a lot on, uh, which I've learned on certain, you know, other films and projects where there's a way like, this is how we do this. And then you're like, yeah, well, I don't know if I really liked that. And if we can afford that. And so what's our other alternative? I, I was going to bring up, don't worry, he won't get far on foot just cause it on IMDb, that's your first credited film. Yeah. And I was like, that's crazy that like your yeah. first movie is with Gus Van Sant. Yeah. It was amazing. I, I I was just gonna say you've really burst onto the scene doing a crazy range of of movies over the past five years. I'm sure I'm sure you've you've noticed that as well. Yeah, it was important to me. Um, you know, again going back commercials in a weird way, you work really hard, you work really fast. They're super imaginative. You, they're super experimental in a weird way. I know that doesn't make sense. Like this this one that I'm working on is not, but. You know, it's like how you can try out and do things in a really quick way. And we build all the worlds. And and uh, when I went to do films, I really, I wanted to do films that I like. And so far, I haven't done a film that, like, I don't like or that I didn't, there wasn't an intention behind doing it. And so I've been really blessed with that. And, you know, I've sparsed them out. And I'm lucky that I do commercials in between because I still enjoy them. But that they can kind of, you know, I can keep my living going. And, uh, yeah, I've been really, it's been cool. Like, so now that's the big question is like, you know, what do we go to next? Right. Is always like what to do. And how were you introduced to the Creed three people and Michael B. Jordan? And how'd you get brought on board for that? Um, Creed three, I think the first one, 
is uh, my dear friend Bradford Young, uh, who's a wonderful DP. We work, we do, a, we've done a lot of weird, uh, interesting, fun projects together and become dear friends. They were chatting about the movie, and he said, "Man, you got to read this script." And then kind of said the same thing I think to Michael, like, "Man, you got to hire this dude." And it was sort of a left field thing, you know. And we, I love the script; was fantastic. Like, um, and we met, and then we met about six times. <laughs> and I'm I'm big on research, and Michael's big on research and exacting and really understanding stuff. You know, he's not casual about everything that he wants to do. So I think it was very important and it really, it really was, it was lucky. It, it through our, we got to converse a lot in that, in just in those first meetings uh, and feel each other out about what, like, what was the, you know, it's a big word for me. Like, what's your intention? Like, and it can be anything. It doesn't have to be, some grand philosophical existential film about, you know, but why you want to do it. Um, And we talked a lot about it and why he was doing it and his ideas. And I was, and then I fought hard for it. And we really, there was a simpatico nature, but we really got along well. And so that made it, I think it made it easy uh, for him to choose me. So did you make like a lookbook and what sort of, uh, I mean, you said you, you're big on research. So what's, what kind of like influences were you pulling from for this movie? It's a strange thing. Uh, when you, and I'm newer to it than a lot of people who have done, you know, so many movies, but I've interviewed and talked to a lot of people. Some I haven't wanted to do some, they haven't chose me, but you sometimes are sent a script and if you like it, then they want to meet pretty quickly and, and you haven't met the director per se, you know, now there's more directors. And it's like, we've worked together on stuff and we have a shorthand, but if you, if I haven't met you guys and you're like, here's this script, I'm like, that's great. And they're like, they want to meet and they want to see some stuff. It's a really awkward position to be in, you know, and some of mine, some of mine went, uh, um, way too exhaustive. You know what I mean? All of a sudden, like I'm meeting with you guys and I have like a 45 page, thing of all these ideas some are just vibes some are you know palm tree on fire some are you know some of these paintings which i just really love the color uh i try to pull from a lot of film reference first uh and see what i can see that 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 sort of is just a guide as opposed to doing it exact and to and i found that without i don't know why but without being specific on like this is a palette the palette sort of comes you know, into it. And we used a few, there was a few paintings um, that had this dark red, sort of muted dark red, dark green, black, you know, boxers, sort of re- almost like tackling each other, wrestling. And, 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 and I really went off that. And then a lot of the uh, sort of 90s Los Angeles, there's a bunch of street, I like a lot of photographers too. There's a lot of photographers out of Los Angeles. They're starting to get some recognition. From like my time, 80s, 90s, even contemporary street photographers. Um, and we started to go, you know, okay, is it, it? are we trying to make a Michael Mann movie? No. Okay, cool. Here's what we're doing. Like, let's, we really want to honor sort of this guy's journey to Africa. Wait, did you guys see the movie? 
Parts uh, yesterday. Yeah, I saw it on Wednesday. Um, oh, cool. It, yeah, I saw it in IMAX, which was very cool. Did you enjoy it? Oh, I lo- I, I had a great time with it. Trent and I have a mutual friend, um, Jackson, and I saw it with him. And at several points, we would turn to each other and like nod. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty awesome. Yeah. It, so that was, you know, then we, you know, what was really interesting on, you know, Michael, Michael was a great collaborator and he had a lot of specifics of points he wanted to hit. But then he was wide open to how do we get to these points? And we started really talking and the way it reads and the way it was, was, you know, it's almost like, how do we make this like a noir film? And for back, lack of a better picture, how do we make it all where it's really cinematic, where I, when I was location scouting, every single thing has uh, a lot of depth and almost like good indie movies, but it's also a superhero movie. You know, it's also big creed rocky whole thing and you know so we started i started doing some sketches and drawings of you know of dodger stadium there's never been a fight there and at the end and he came up with he would send me these explaining these fights and i couldn't understand and then it would be this two minute anime clip would come like in the in the chat right now and it was so and i'm not so well versed on anime you know and a lot of that stuff and it was incredible and i was like oh i get it and then we fought you know i I wanted to have it be really simplistic in the ring because there's so much business and noise and boxing with ads and stuff. And so we really bordered it where we went like, oh, at the beginning, you know, it's a black ring. It's the end of retirement, you know, the whole thing. And then for the last one, white on white, which is a challenge for a DP shooting darker skin, beautiful guys on this white on white ring right all of a sudden it's like a giant bounce and um (laughs) you know and then the middle was just like the middle it was like the blues and reds but you know we we had a way where it was like you know a lot of delphi we went on where it was red and then jonathan major's character was more green and he was and we started referencing um and from michael's producer and michael uh liz raposo who was wonderful we started talking about like it's like old westerns and we started watching westerns like you know the old gunslinger comes to town like back to town like the villain and how do we how do we keep it stoic like that and uh you know it's just crazy it's it's kind of amazing to be able to do i like american dramas if if, if we're gonna find what i really love and it's not often anymore that you get to do a big sort of american drama or just big drama, you know, like on the screen with all that action, and I, and and so I think it, it, it we pulled it off pretty good, um, but I sort of delved away from your reference question and went on a whole tangent. No, that uh, that was great. You you answered some other questions we wanted to ask. I have a little bit of a reference question. Uh, are you looking at the other Creed movies and Rocky movies and trying to? do some sort of, you know, uh, variation on that? Or are you trying to stay far away from those and, like, not even have those in your mind when creating this? Or is it, like, because it's a whole new thing and a whole new settings, like, it, it doesn't apply? Um, we definitely, like, I've seen up until I've watched Rocky 1 to 4, probably in the last sort of however long this has been, last few years. I'd seen them all 
they were my childhood's favorite movie. Like Rocky Three was like I went oh, to see in in Philadelphia. It was one of my huge favorite movies because I was like, I don't know what year that came. I must have been thirteen or something, twelve maybe. Like, my grandfather took me, you know, downtown Center City. The music was amazing. Mr. T comes out. You know, it was. It felt like the first one of the first movies where you get to see that's your thing, like your choice. You know, it's not like, Oh, I'm going to see a movie with my parents or it's a kid's movie or it's, you know, uh, or I don't really understand it. And later you love the movie. Um, but so you reference, you know, it's strange, right? Because that was the first thing I've ever done that, uh, that has a past that, that people know. So all of a sudden you have to watch, uh, Creed one and two, you know, like a lot. And then you have to understand the Rocky movies too, to kind of, there's a way that they did it, you know, that was really successful. And I think sometimes you can get lost on that. And then it, like Creed with uh, Ryan Coogler really brought it back to the, to all the great essences, looks wise, feelings wise, like all the meat of what makes the Rocky franchise incredible and all the great themes. And, uh, I really liked Creed one a lot and, Excuse me. You know, we I wanted to we wanted to make it all new, so it's kind of like, oh, can he be in a new gym? So we kind of justify that, so that it's like because he's a champion now. So then we we didn't have to match it uh, per se. You know exactly. Can this be here? Can this? How can we make him? You know, a long times past. He's got a hundred million dollars now, or whatever. You know, we're like, what's he worth? Two hundred million, right? So socioeconomically, everything has to change. Uh, he's also like it's a big deal to be like 32 or whatever he is in the movie, as opposed to like 25 or 28, right. You keep changing. So we, we took all that into, you know, into account. Um, and the most, I mean, maybe you'll ask that, but the hardest part for me is I'm from Los Angeles. I love Los Angeles. I'm very, I know Los Angeles really well. Like I love, we've scouted a zillion commercials. Plus I just like sort of, whatever city I'm in, I like to get lost and see every sort of nook and cranny. And, uh, you know, we had to shoot all of a sudden we're shooting this movie and then they're like, cool. Uh, we're going to do it. I'm like, okay, great. And then they're like, and we're shooting it in Atlanta. And I'm like, Atlanta doesn't fucking look like Los Angeles. Atlanta looks great, but it doesn't look like LA. And, uh, Brian, uh, the, uh, location manager who was wonderful. Uh, and I, worked really hard. We scouted LA first for like a lot of exteriors, like uh, what's necessary, what's not. And then we started shooting Atlanta. Like what can we do that even represents a little bit of Los Angeles. And then we got to build a lot um, on stage and between the three, it sort of carved its way out. Yeah. Uh, I, I was going to ask uh, because you brought up the socioeconomic um, factors um, watching this movie, um, that's a crazy house that he has. Um, and, and I, I wanted to ask about like designing that house cause it's, they've got the see-through floors. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That little section right there, we shot on location and we, you know, we wanted a modern house. I had a ton of references of where he should be in Los Angeles and with this view, right. The whole thing. But mm -hmm. then monetarily in time, they were like, we'll shoot these on a location and we found one house 
that's newly built because the modern were like if you get into sort of types of houses modern is not an atlanta thing it's new in the south there's not a lot of famous in midwest there's a lot of great of that sort of mid-century modern amazing architects los angeles there's a ton the south it's just coming on and we found this one house that was brilliant for that little entryway um and we wanted to showcase a lot of different art um which we got to do with the astor gates charles white and all this you know sort of and michael's mom has a great painting in there and then we built that whole man cave and her studio we built all that on stage um and it sort of i see i feel like it worked together pretty seamlessly no i yeah i was gonna say i didn't realize i i didn't realize one was a location and one was a stage or like parts of it it was like broken up i didn't notice that at all yeah that's cool you know we get kind of specific like there's some movies that I really, like I said, I read the script and you go, it's kind of interesting now, like that are coming out now that I met with and either they didn't want to do or I didn't want to do. And it's really funny when you get, I was going back to our research and lookbook. So you can see a movie after doing like, say my wife will read the script. I'll read the script. I put together a lookbook and I'll decide it's going to be very like brutal, like cements, like built within the ground, you know, this whole situation, all the colors, the vibes. And then you won't do the movie. And it's very funny when you see the movie and it's good, but it's really hard to watch because it's kind of different than how you had pitched to sort of do it, you know? Right. Um, yeah. And so Creed was kind of the same. I, it was really difficult. We finally found this one house and then it was really interesting matching the ups, our downstairs to their upstairs, but being able to keep all of our stuff, like our honeycombed sort of, you know, the ceiling in her in her studio and you know the different lighting and ceiling fixtures and mics we you know we put this anime on the back of of uh of uh afro samurai and that was it there's a lot of other things that were really fun like i i've never been a big photo mural guy but on this one i felt like i wanted him to always feel like especially like downstairs there that that great huge and he was sort of, you know, humble. Like, I don't really want pictures of me everywhere, but there's this great, like, imposing, strong, you know, so Adonis, but as Adonis looking down and, like, even when he's vulnerable, it's always, like, behind him. Or when Damien's there, it's always behind him. And then at his, you know, his gym to have that, you know, his dad on the wall, you know, with this sort of saying and everything and this sort of affirmation that it's almost like you can't get rid of, you know what I mean? It's almost like little haunting notes, which seem to work out pretty good. So our uh, friend who's mentioned Jackson Clark, he had a celebrity yeah. question and he said that he's never seen IMAX cameras move so smoothly and yeah. that they're like usually stationary. And we were wondering if shooting in IMAX changes your pr- approach as a production designer at all. You know, it's interesting because the DP and I who got on fantastic Kramer Morgenthau, who I think he's taking over like IMAX Instagram to talk about that this week in a real technical way, um, which is kind of interesting. And he's a he's also a lovely dude if you want to talk. He's done some really cool stuff for a long time, but they were ingenious. And what happens is it's only in the framing and it's different if you're doing certain things. It's more the fights we're what we had to really protect for, you know, and that became less about me. Once I got my ring and the color of it and we battled about the artistic 
sort of what you see as lighting. You know what I mean? Like one of the things we wanted to do also that was that they were like, what the fuck are you talking about? Mike and, and Mike and I had talked about it's at Dodger Stadium. Well, if it's at Dodger Stadium and I drew a picture with like 150,000 people in there or did a, a, a rendering. There's nowhere to put the usual trust that goes above the ring, right? Which is how those guys are lit so beautifully. So how do you do it? And they're like, it's impossible. And it's a white-on-white ring. And it's a Dodger Stadium. But we have to shoot all the fights on stage before we go to Dodger Stadium. So they were uh, – it was was beastly for what they had to – to do and Josh Davis is gaffer and we really we found a picture in an old Muhammad Ali stadium of where the stadium lights did it and you know I'm when it comes to that I'm just like oh I think it should look like this you know what I mean I don't have to actually go put those lights up and they're not 400 yards away they're 50 or 60 feet because the limits of a stage right you only have so much space on a stage um, and they were wonderful Mike Heathcote the steady cam or you know and and uh City cam operator is like a dancer and it was incredible. But to, to go back to your question, you know, it was harder actually on, for us, IMAX just kind of opens up. So I've always been, a, I learned of the school of you sort of have to have the world ready, you know, mm-hmm. for when they frame it up because you kind of give it away. So it's like, you don't necessarily, if it's just the three of us doing a small project, we're there and we're kind of talking, you know, but, you have to kind of you're on to the next part of it, and mid '90s was the beast because mid '90s was, you know, now with Instagram and now with the, you know, to shoot it, it was shot like in a, basically a square format, right? So when you, if I frame like how we're all looking at each other now, and there's some symmetry in Catherine Watterson sitting on the couch, and I'm like, this looks fucking great. It's like we found all this stuff that's like '80s, so it doesn't feel '90s, but it's all this this clean sort of palette like monochromatic sort of you know vanilla lifestyle and then all of a sudden blah blah lines up and everything's it's just a square so you don't know where you're you know where you're cutting off um it was very that was that was more challenging for me on the daily Parth, what an interview. Thank you so much to Jamina Sa. I think that was a pretty good interview, huh? And that's only the first half. Uh, you you kids and adults wait around until next week uh, where we'll have part two, the remainder of the conversation. If you liked the first half, stick around. Uh, and after that, you'll get, we already have ironed out who our discussion guests will be. Maybe we won't reveal it yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's a familiar face. Maybe it's someone who got mentioned in the interview. If you yeah. have an eagle ear, um, maybe they've been on the show before. Maybe they have been the person that's been on the show most, other than Trent and I. And it isn't one, of, and isn't dating us because I feel like Sophia's pretty close. Not in terms of episodes. I would say but Jordan. Of- Jordan has had the most episodes. No, uh, uh, more than Sophia. I feel like Jordan's been on like intros way more. I guess because like when she's when you you two are like together all the time, and so like she'll just be in the corner, and then you'll be like, "Hey, Jordan, come on in." Maybe she she's made more individual appearances, but the mystery guest I believe has 
been on four discussion episodes, and this could be his fifth, which is is uh, is a big, it's a big moment for all of us here, here and everywhere. <clears throat> um, and speaking of, uh, you should. Tell your friends about the show. It really does help. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. That's where we, you can find us. Yes, and we have an Instagram and a Twitter. Um, go check out our social media. Follow us there for updates. And uh, thank you so much to Jamina Saab um, for talking with us. We're going to have part two up next week. Yep. And he's going to talk more about really specific scenes, um, his influences a little bit deeper. Um, and it's... Uh, uh, I, 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 I may be biased. This might be recency bias, but I think this is one of our better in- interviews in a while. Yeah. Yeah. It was very, it was, uh, it was very engaging, very exciting to talk about something. So near the release, he just saw a screening. So it's fresh on his mind and to be doing an intro for an interview we had just done. I feel like because we backlog these interviews, the hype we have surrounding them is kind of gone because we're doing an intro for an episode we recorded months prior. And like you mentioned, given our interviews are conducted so far apart these days, each one, since you haven't done it in like a month and a half, sort of feels like you've never done an interview before. And so I, I had I had uh, nerves like I was a little, little young podcaster again. Yeah. Yeah. But I think we persevered. We did indeed. And uh, we'll persevere all the way to next week. He listened to some of our he listened to some of our episodes. Thanks. He did. Um, are Ruth the Young and uh, Sam Lysenko episodes. Go check out our uh, Nope and Judas and the Black Messiah interviews. If you're for- a production designer head, which I'm sure there are a lot of you out there, really specific. Yeah. Interests, guys. At the end of the day, we had an enemy, and somehow Team Deacons returned. And we <laughs> wow. just need you. This isn't how I thought this to help beat end. them into submission. Is all I'm saying. I thought we had them. They stopped releasing episodes, and I was like, they may have started before us, but we're gonna outstand them. But they were just resting and becoming more powerful. But just remember that they left you, and we never did. You know. Yeah. At the yeah, end of the our, day, we will always be there. Our our longest break was just like a few weeks out of negligence, but theirs was intentional. Yeah, he was off busy filming, working. Parth, one who the Come real enemy, one who the real enemy is the Directors Guild of America podcast. <laughs> All right, I actually, I actually really like that podcast. Yeah, so do I. And, <laughs> and it's and it's not that much like ours, so maybe we can co- coexist. But Team Deacons, watch you back. 